the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John, I'm John Lacombe. Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskaspo. Oh, well, guys, we have finished up our previews of the teams Northwestern does not play in conference. Um, that, that's all said and done for, for this year. Uh, couple years we'd have a few more to do uh, real quick before we get to nebraska ucla and usc coming to the big 10 kind of crazy I, I was about to say so tonight we're gonna preview a team that wears red and was playing in national championships 20 years ago so uh oh but it's not the <laughs> usc trojans um no uh yeah that is it's funny we haven't had a chance to even really talk about that it was all just so insane it all dropped i think we're still just processing processing that one, but uh, yeah, got our no plays, and yeah, as long as it takes to crank all these things out. Now I guess we're looking at, as of as of July 7th, 2022, two more teams to worry about. Who knows what that number will be a week from now or a month from now or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of dust left to settle before we, we unpack that ker- uh, kerfuffle, so we'll, we'll we'll save that for another day. Yeah, it seemed like the Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC um, was the big one last year. Now UCLA and USC, uh, which kind of brings back to the Rose Bowl, um, you know, classic matchup between the Big Ten and the SEC. That Texas, the uh, um, Texas USC national championship game. <laughs> yeah, right. the Vince Young game. That, that's a big Big Ten SEC game now, huh? Yeah, just ridiculous um yeah again it's like don't worry there's all the time in the world down the road for us to, to unpack that but uh for now we can talk uh, nebraska we can talk longtime big 10 member the nebraska oh yeah Huskers. <laughs> um it, you know you listen to any of the national reporters um they'll everyone to a dime will tell you that this was the best three and nine team in college football last year and you know that that's all well and good but you know they were a three and nine team. Um, Scott Frost is back. Uh, I guess he's you know on thin ice theoretically. Uh, they made some changes. Uh, some of it good, we shall see. Some of it bad, we shall see. And you know we're getting set to uh, fly over the pond to take them on in Dublin, Ireland, uh, at the end of August. That's just coming up pretty quick. But uh, you know, John, we'll we'll talk about their defense first. I mean, our game aside, and I you know. Pretty much everything we say about Nebraska is kind of our game aside. Their defense was not very good last year. Well, before we even get into the ins and outs of the Nebraska defense, I just want to start here by giving credit to our own fan base for, I guess, going way back to the preview of Nebraska we did last summer, kind of reacting the way that it often does when we preview Nebraska Because a lot of you gear everything we say about Nebraska toward any karma that we give up by thrashing the Huskers here every year. And I just want to tip my hat to you, um, all of you Cats fans, and your goal of always framing everything in terms of how it might somehow spiritually or karmically affect Northwestern football, especially given that absolute faceplant we had in Lincoln last year. Okay, kudos to you for thinking that way. But we have earned the right for every one of you to stop 
and take a second and reflect on the fact that no one in the nation, literally no one, has pegged Nebraska in the Scott Frost era better than the Westlot Pirates. Some of you have to be wondering at this point if we have hidden cameras in their practice facility or what is going on. Um, because over the past five years, often while steering into these gale force winds, Sam already mentioned the latest one, this greatest three and nine team ever, right? These gale force winds that are this collective media narrative, whatever it happens to be about Nebraska in a given year, we steer into those winds and we give you straight take it to the bank truth on this team, okay? I think we've earned the right to say that we know Nebraska in the Scott Frost era. So given all of that, um, what would we say about this season on the defensive side? Well, I would say more of the same and probably worse. Now, does that mean Nebraska will have a horrible defense in 2022? No, it definitely does not. It's basically the same group of starters this year as last year in that Nebraska 3-4 scheme minus cornerback Cam Taylor Britt. Technically, Nebraska also loses two-thirds of their D-linemen on the front of that 3-4 D. I don't care. Um, we were here for the entire era of those guys. They did not make a big impact. Ty Robinson is the best guy on that defensive front. Um, and it's just what is going to be what was there next to him and what's going to be there next year is just not at his level. Um, but again, Nebraska's defense has been mediocre, but certainly not bad for the past two years. And that's because the Huskers have a great group of linebackers and nearly that entire unit is coming back. Luke Reimer, Nick Henrik, and Garrett Nelson are quality players. Those guys combined for more than 250 tackles and 20 tackles for loss last year. Now, the unit loses Jojo Doman, who's excellent, but they should have no problem replacing him with the next guy in, Caleb Tanner, who had five and a half tackles for loss last year. This is a great group, but it literally is the Nebraska defense, a defense that has basically been the eighth best unit in the conference for two years now, and they were worse before that. Nebraska doesn't have depth. They, do, they don't have defensive culture. They don't have continuity. Effectively, Nebraska has five excellent players on defense. Last year, Nebraska had six excellent players on defense. But the one they lose is a huge one. Cam Taylor Britt was a second-team All-Big Ten corner last year. His performance by itself papered over a lot of the cracks for a Nebraska secondary that really doesn't have anything else. And now Taylor Britt is gone. And to give you any idea of what the effort to replace him is looking like, Nebraska has a guy coming in from northern Iowa who's expected to play a lot in the secondary this year. And speaking of the transfer portal, and I don't want to step on Scuzz too much here, yikes. Uh, it is basically an open secret at this point that Nebraska is just running the clock out on Frost. So the exodus has been real. It has been spectacular. Um, subtext being that Nas Nebraska has not recruited well for years now, but they did have that initial surge that accompanied Frost's arrival. On the defensive side of the ball, nearly every promising defensive player from that surge has now transferred out from a team that does not have a good track record for developing defensive talent well anyway. So this is all a long way of saying Nebraska is approaching the cliff defensively, and they're going to be driving off of it soon enough 
But that moment is not here yet because, again, Nebraska has one excellent defensive lineman in Ty Robinson and four excellent linebackers. Um, the Pro- Huskers are probably going to end up somewhere in the 8-10 to 10 range in the conference this year in terms of defense. Um, and then, most likely in the first year of the next Nebraska coach, they're going to bottom out on defense. What does this all mean for Northwestern in the opener against Ireland? Um, I would say it means that just like in last year's absolute debacle in Lincoln, um, Northwestern is going to completely determine its own success on the offensive side of the ball. Nebraska killed Northwestern last year with the thing Nebraska does best, quarterback pressure from the linebacker core. When Ryan Holinsky wasn't on his back, he was serviceable. People forget this in the horror show that was this game overall, but Stephon Robinson had a big game against that team. Um, And that was, again, we don't have Stephon Robinson anymore, but we still have Malik Washington, and Nebraska doesn't have Cam Taylor Britt anymore. Um, So matchups for Malik will absolutely be there for the taking in this game. Um, But as at so many times last year, and this is, you know, a theme that's going to come up in the team previews, and it's certainly going to come up when we preview Northwestern, Northwestern ran a pretty uninspired running attack last year with very little outside pulling. Um, And then in a lot of situations, including Nebraska, effectively abandoned that attack early because we were behind and because we did a lot of foolish things last year. Um, So in Ireland, we've got to hit this team in the mouth on the ground and just keep hitting them and wait for those cracks to come that our backs can exploit. Our offense had so many self-inflicted wounds last year in pass pro, turnovers, play calling. If those problems are fixed, we will have success in Dublin against this defense, regardless of the Huskers' D that shows out. It's just the identity of their defense. Again, we have so many problems to fix, but if we can start fixing some of those problems, that's going to make the difference, especially on the ground against this team. Uh, so turning our attention to the uh, Nebraska offense, um, you know, John, John made mention of it, that transfer portal uh, in full effect. Um, Adrian Martinez out. Indeed. Um, the reality here is we're about to, we're about to spend more time talking about Pitt and the university of Texas than we are in Nebraska. Cause this offense is completely gutted from last year. I mean, that sounds great, just in general. Do we just want to <laughs> stick with that? Yeah, yeah man. Yes, you know, um, there's, there's, some, there's some positives, there's some negatives. So, I mean, like, Sam, you called it, like, the book on Nebraska for the last four years has been Adrian Martinez. Like, if he plays well, if he doesn't turn the ball over, if he's healthy, their offense has been all right. Um, more times than not, he has turned over the ball or been not very healthy, and they've been in trouble. Um last year was actually seen as a really big improvement for Nebraska's offense, but that is because of how bad 2020 was. Um, in reality, the 27 and three quarters points per game that Nebraska scored last year was basically the same as what they put up in 2018 and was still a drop off of almost two points from what you saw in Frost's uh, initial year. Sorry, the same as in 2019, um, a, a couple of points below what he put up in his first year in 2018. And so like this just falls short of the expectations that Frost brought with him to Lincoln and what that offense, everybody thought it was going to do as, as Martinez matured. Um, now Martinez is gone. That staff has been completely overhauled uh, they're, and, and they're going to start 
somewhere between three to four guys uh, from the portal on offense this year. Now, I want to frame uh, everything I'm about to say on the offense, which I apologize, might be a lot, um, within the hiring of Mark Whipple. So Mark Whipple was the offensive coordinator at Pitt last year and has come over to Nebraska. He, he left Pitt the moment Kenny Pickett declared to the NFL draft. Uh, Kenny Pickett being the quarterback who was drafted, I think, by the Steelers in round one. three or something like that. Oh, round, round one. one. That's yep. right. Um, so, like, Whipple's stock is very high because he came to Pitt, like, in 2019, and their offense transformed last year from, like, the 86th best offense to, I think, number six overall. But here's the thing. That 86th best offense was also Mark Whipple's, and it was pretty much identical to what he did the year prior. There are three factors which springboarded Pitt last season. The first was that they had one of the best performing offensive lines in the country. It wasn't the most veteran. It wasn't the most experienced. They, they had three returning starters, but they all stayed very, very healthy. And I think that they were buoyed significantly by Pickett's innate ability to extend plays and throw the ball on the run. Second, uh, they had a guy named uh, Jordan Allison, who really emerged last year as a wide receiver, caught 100 balls, was the Bolitnikoff winner, and has now transferred to USC. And lastly, Kenny Pickett, as a fifth-year senior, he made a dramatic 6% leap in accuracy. He added one and a half yards per attempt to his uh, season totals from, from the years prior and had a huge three and a half X on his touchdowns. He went from, I think, 13 to 42. Um, his aforementioned fluidy-like ability to extend plays was pretty incredible. He lowered his pick rate. He just he had an amazing season as a fifth-year senior. Spoiler alert, none of these things are true for Nebraska in 2022. So this is my problem. Is like People are talking about this offense like Whipple is going to come in, save Frost's job. It's going to be incredible. Nebraska's offense is you know, going to do exactly what Pitts did, transform overnight from a run-heavy, uh, short-passing offense to something awesome that's just bombing downfield and annihilating people. But the problem is that Whipple didn't do this in one year at Pitt. It took him three, and it took him a number one draft pick in the NFL at quarterback in his fifth year of college to do it. So all that being said, uh, last year was the ideal version of, of the scheme that Whipple likes to run. Uh, Pitt passed more than they run. They threw lots of deep shots. Um, they had great overall success. And this is what he and Frost wanted to instill at Nebraska. Um, it's it, like initially you would think that they don't have a lot in common, but there's, 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 there's notes there that make sense here on, on, combining Frost's approach with Whipple's. Uh, the one big difference being uh, that Whipple's quarterbacks generally are not uh, ball carriers. Uh, so my point of view going into last year was that Nebraska was pretty bad at throwing deep with Adrian Martinez. He just wasn't very accurate, and he threw, then he turned it over too often. Uh, but he greatly improved in this area last season. His yards per attempt jumped from seven to over nine. A lot of this was in part to a strong wide receiver core featuring uh, Samari Torrey in particular, who was great as a deep deep threat. And then they got you know solid play from Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, and Austin Allen. Uh, Manning was the least effective deep threat of the four, maybe in part due to injury, um, but he's also the only one returning. Torrey graduated, uh, Allen's a free agent signing the NFL, and Betts... <laughs> Betts has has hysterically extended the trend of top end receivers leaving Nebraska inexplicably when they are poised to be the number one threat the next season. You have J.D. Spielman, Wondell, Wondell Robinson, and now Betts. Three out of the last four years, throw in Luke McCaffrey to make it four out of four. It's not a great trend, Bob. Now, 
going the other direction to boost their receiver core in 2022, they have several big transfers. They got a five-star uh, coming from LSU and Trey Palmer. They've got a four-star guy coming from Texas, Marcus Washington, and then um, a New Mexico receiver, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, uh, who who's clearly has the best production of the three in college, but the other two obviously have that pedigree and potential from from recruiting perspective. Washington also played to get played with Casey Thompson at Texas, the new quarterback who's, who's transferring into Nebraska. So that's not insignificant. Um, presumably they bring at least, you know, some familiarity, if not actual chemistry uh, to this team. But we have seen other transfer wide receivers over the past three years struggle to pick up the complex blocking and offensive elements uh, required in Nebraska under frost. And, you know, m- maybe that changes under Whipple a little bit. We'll see. Uh, the other thing is that while all three of these guys that are incoming are pretty fast dudes, they're roughly three inches shorter than Torrey, and none have the production nor the experience that he brought from Montana last year. Uh, they're likely going to backfill their tight end, Austin Allen, with a, with a mega, mega recruit, uh, Thomas Fedoni. Um, but I think for this group to really thrive, uh, in addition to good quarterback play and good offensive line play, they're going to need Manning to live up to his expectations as a top-flight Juco transfer. Um there are a lot of question marks here. You can at least say that this group has the potential to be very dangerous, but um, going back to those points I made about Pitt, a Bolitnikoff winner like Whipple had at, at Pitt last year seems unlikely at this stage. Uh, I mentioned the O-line. This is a, like, a, this is a little bit of a, of a conundrum again. It, arguably, it's one, been one of the major weak links um, in Nebraska's offense the last few years. Uh, they were middling in run blocking last season and um, patently not good at pass blocking, especially you know the sack rate. Uh, but that said, they do have a number of returning starters. They've got uh, their two tackles. One of their guards are, are all pretty locked in. Uh, Trent Hickson's going to move from the other guard spot to center. And then the fifth spot is is kind of up for grabs. They've got, you know, one, a fifth-year senior who's been a special teamer his whole career. They've got a promising freshman that struggled a lot last season. They've got... Uh, the dude that was replaced by that freshman. Um, there's a, a grad transfer from Northern Colorado. Uh, a couple other guys on the roster, including there's a transfer from Iowa who's, who looks pretty pretty good. So they've got you know they've got talent, they've got some depth, but they've also lost a lot over the last few years to the transfer portal, much like on defense. Of the seven top offensive line recruits over the last five classes, three have left the program. And development has has lagged this entire Frost era. Now they've got a new O-line coach this year, so we'll we'll see what happens. But um, considering that, you know, Whipple orchestrated that change of pit on on a really solid offensive line foundation, um, this at least in the first game of 2022 is is going to be a, a work in progress. So um, one with a ton of upside potential, but you know, a bit of a project nonetheless. Uh, running backs are interesting because Martinez has been the leading rusher at Nebraska the last three seasons, both in attempts and yards. Uh, they have talent. They've got Marquis Stepp, who transferred from USC last year. Uh, Ramir Johnson, their leading rusher last year's back. They've got young, youngsters, Jaquez Yant and Gabe Irvin. They've got a really great recruit coming in and Anthony Grant. So it's, it, it's hard to see how this is going to play out, right? Because Whipple likes to throw more than he likes to run. Uh, and Frost has, uh, for the last four years, let his quarterbacks have 40% of the carries. For example, Logan Smothers, the backup quarterback last year, had as many carries as each of Yant, Irvin, and Step. Wow. Uh, at Pitt, Kenny Pickett didn't run, like like explicitly didn't run. Now, maybe it's because he wasn't fast. Um, so this, this is going to be a really interesting thing to watch how that plays out. 
And that takes us to the quarterback itself. Uh, so Casey Thompson transferring from Texas. He's the odds on favorite. He's going to, I guess, face some competition from Chubba Purdy from Florida State. Um, maybe related to Brock Purdy. I don't know. I don't, uh, and then I don't think Sm- so, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, who knows? Uh, and then Logan Smothers. Um, Thompson was really great in his, you know, his kind of debut with Texas last year. He took over in game three and he looked really good uh, locking up, uh, notching wins against Rice, Texas Tech and TCU. And then he lost three straight to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Uh, he struggled with completion percentage. He was below 60% against each of those teams. He struggled with sacks. He did kind of torch OU through the air, but um, that might be more about their defense. Uh, he, he After those three losses, he sat out another loss against Ohio State, suffered uh, then a horrible loss uh, to Kansas despite throwing for 350 yards and six touchdowns. So you 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 could say he had an up and down season last year while putting up pretty good stats. Um, he does he does not run the ball. He only had 55 attempts in 12 games, uh, averaged less than three yards per carry. I mentioned he struggles taking sacks. Um, he does not have the same trouble with with lost fumbles as Martinez, uh, but he has a worse interception rate. Um, the sticking point that might be most important is that um, his deep ball gets gets pretty good reviews uh, at Texas. He averaged, you know, in the in the in the low to mid eights on um, yards per attempt, which is you know decent. It's it's not you know blowing the doors off the barn, but if he can come to Nebraska, gel with the receivers, um, get enough protection from the O line, like I mentioned, their sack rate last year was pretty rough. Uh, there's there's pen, there's potential. So. I mean, I think at best, how this comes together for Nebraska, you if you're a Nebraska fan, you're hoping that Thompson and Whipple have, have built a really solid foundation around scheme this summer and that Thompson is gelling with his with his receivers. This if, if this comes to pass, like they're gonna be able to deploy an aggressive downfield attack this fall. Um I think they'll have enough in the ground game to stay above of, above water when the deep shots aren't hitting. And you also hope that Thompson, a year older, is better at avoiding sacks. He makes better decisions. Um, maybe he can. Uh, maybe the the O line can be boosted by his confidence, and um, they can improve on on pass pro. If all this stuff comes together, Nebraska could conceivably improve and and actually get get back to that thirty points per game threshold that they've been kind of pursuing since Frost got there. At worst, uh, I think this is a team that is at risk of of not finding its identity. They have no running QB for the first time ever um they uh could potentially struggle to throw the deep ball without turning it over and they might not be able to control the line of scrimmage of the run game in that scenario they might fall back to 2020 mode where teams can simply stifle them by loading the box and pressuring the qb and uh that my friends would result in a scott frost exit if you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence hire kent Simpson of the Simpson law group after over a decade prosecuting murder cases in chicago Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! So let's go through their schedule here real quick. Um, obviously opening up the season against us in Ireland. Uh, 11.30 a.m. start uh, Central Time. Uh, catch that on Fox. Uh, then they come home to play North Dakota. 
uh, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma uh, to round out their non-conference slate. Uh, they have a bye week, then they start big, the go back into Big Ten play, rather, uh, at home against Indiana, at Rutgers, at Purdue, home against Illinois and Minnesota, at Michigan, home against Wisconsin, at Iowa to wrap it up uh, on Black Friday. So that is the, the Cornhuskers' schedule. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma is their their big rivalry, looming large. Um, you you got to think that they're, I mean, you got to think they'll improve on 3-9, but, like, Scott Frost has never taken them to a bowl game. They've always underperformed, so, and, like, all the metrics, right? Yeah, like, like right. if Northwestern and, always beats the, the Bill Connolly expectations because – um, F, uh, S&P plus is not a good predictor of, of Northwestern. The, the opposite is true of Nebraska. Right, exactly. And <clears throat> I think you can look at the schedule and be like knee jerk seven and five and they start seven and one. But for you to think that they start seven and one, let's take Northwestern out of the equation for you to think that they start seven and one, you have to think they're light years better than Indiana Rutgers, Purdue and Illinois. Because and if North Dakota, yeah, no, well, wait, sorry, I'm not, thinking, I'm not thinking North, North Dakota, Dakota State. State. Yeah, yeah, my bad. But I got my Dakotas in, mixed up. But of Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, and Illinois, you have to think they're light years better than those four teams. Because if it's a close game, they lose. <laughs> because that's what Scott Frost does. And it's funny, you know, I would say we don't know this because the three of us have pegged Scott Frost football so well over the past five years. We know this because we're Northwestern basketball fans. It's almost like the John <laughs> the John Rothstein thing all over again, where it's like, well, geez, except for all these close games they lose, they'd be a great team. And it's like, yeah, you know what? They were a three and nine football team that had no, you know, it's like, were any of you shocked when they blew all those games? No. And that's the thing. It's like they've to to compensate for the the Oklahoma game, right? They've loaded up. I mean, North Dakota, you're talking about a five and six. I think they were a five and six FCS team last year. Georgia Southern was awful in the FBS last year. <clears throat> and right, real talk, they get Northwestern off the top and we were rough last year and they were all over us last year. But between Northwestern, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue and Illinois, I think there are a lot of people that are just going to want to make that same foolish you know, reaction of chalking those up as wins when Nebraska just habitually loses those games. Um, and then on the back end, the bottom line is, I mean, like Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, that's just a boatload of awesome football and everything. I mean, of awesome defensive football. And Scuzz didn't really do anything to sell me on the fact that this whatever this Nebraska offense is. This like potential ability to throw deep, potential ability to run, except for an offensive line that doesn't look particularly great. And I'm like, that these sound like things that good defenses will just stomp on. So do they play a lot of bad defenses? Yeah, they do. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm just the, you know, I I feel like you could say six and six or seven and five with this team, but you know, we'd be fools to ignore the reality that this is probably like a five and seven and then Scott Frost gets fired football team. What does Scott Frost have to do to, to save his job? I mean, he was on such thin ice going in, into you know, coming out of last season. Well, he, here's the ironic thing. And I forget who's coaching the defense, but like from the offensive side, 
he needs to get the f out of the way. Yeah. Like if right. you think about like like last year, he brought in his QB coach from Oregon when he was the OC at Oregon to run his offense um, at Nebraska, and it it you know wasn't great. It was fine, but it wasn't great. Um, and now he's bringing in somebody with a very different philosophy, someone who's been a head coach in you know Whipple, who like wasn't great as a head coach, didn't like didn't love the recruiting. Like he's an offensive mind. This is what he should be doing, right? Um, but but is bringing in an offensive coach and like how much time have we spent talking about the halo effect that Fitz may or may not be having on a Bajakian or a John O'Neill in, in what they're doing in their coordinator positions? How much of a of of a halo effect or of a, of a bleed over is Frost philosophy going to be into Whipple's space, and how much will it mess it up? And I think it's a double edged sword because. If there is bleed over, I think it's going to mess it up. And if there's not at the end of the year, if Frost just like stays in his lane and doesn't do anything and they do well, like, isn't that kind of indicative that maybe he shouldn't be the head coach? Right. I mean, because what's hilarious is he was fired. I mean, he was hired. I mean, of course, he was hired because he's Scott Frost. But I mean, it was like bringing in this Oregon UCF system that they were going to run. And it just has been a just hasn't worked at all right they, they've ex- never they've never actually gotten to the point of the oregon ucf system and i mean it's like hilarious though because scuzz is absolutely right so it's like you're effectively punting on scott frost's abilities of as an offensive you know guy an offensive brain trust guy and then it's kind of like well what would you say you do here then because it's like um <laughs> so you know, it, you know, I mean, I, I guess like if if the team performs, he can sell. You know, much in the way that Fitz sells the Northwestern experience as a as an A plus recruiter and fundraiser, et cetera, et cetera. Like Frost could fill that role, but um, I don't know. The, the other thing we've heard in the off season is that nobody likes Scott Frost. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And I mean, it's like the uh, you know, so they're. There, there's September 24th, they have a buy, and then October 22nd, those two weeks, they have a buy, right? So I would say for him to make it to October, they probably have to start three and one, right? If they lose to us and then they lose a close game to Oklahoma, okay. But if they lose to us and then they get absolutely destroyed by Oklahoma, it's no guarantee he makes it to October. And then that next stretch would be, you know, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue. You got to win at least two of those three. And no, you got to win all four. Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois. You have to win all four because you might get swept the last. Oh, oh, that's that's for damn sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's those that uh, the 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 cliff is waiting, you know, down the road. I wanted to specifically relative to to Northwestern. Right. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of people, I think, are are wanting or not wanting to revisit the horror of, of last year's game. Right. And you talk about deep balls North. I mean, Nebraska is absolutely going to kick the tires on some deep balls. Um, we were kind of snake bit in classic Northwestern snake bit fashion at the very beginning of that game on a deep ball. But the fact of the matter is, you know, AJ, especially toward the end of the season, unbelievable cover corner, but a guy who was kind of victimized by a couple deep balls, they're going to kick the tires on that for sure. Um, the interesting thing though, is, is you talked about this, like how will the remnants of the Scott Frost system crash into the new system? And I'm almost hoping for this weird situation where I believe that 
Nebraska's offensive line is kind of so-so, but I believe they've got pretty solid backs. And I think given the situation we're going to be looking at and the defensive line and, and the front seven, the interior, you know, I get scared a lot of teams that just plan on just smashing at us, just like going heavy and just throwing it right at us. Um, that, is, that is so not Whipple's MO, right. though. And, and, and it that's wasn't, the weird and it part. Wasn't, right, and it wasn't Frost's MO either. Now, with that said, we were all horrified to have to play Nebraska every year because of the way they ran the ball and how it was so contrary to everything else we dealt with and even in even contrary to what good northwestern defenses were built to stop right it's all misdirection and runs around the outside in speed but martinez was so much of that was predicated on martinez and even to a lesser extent mccaffrey during that you know brief period at the end of that set you know that other game right um, they, they never re- like martinez had so many i don't know if i want to say flaws but like Oh, I'm specifically referring to us. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, even last year where his numbers weren't big, misdirection and our linebackers' failure to locate the ball and just guys out of position, that crushed us last year. Yeah. But to your point, right, I'm like, what I'm hoping for is that Nebraska tries to constitute reconstitute a new offense with the remnants and pieces of an old system and that they end up with this mismatch hodgepodge that doesn't really do anything like this has the character of a team that could make some weird decision to try to run between the tackles and have it just not work and to your point it's possible that whipple just doesn't isn't particularly interested in running at all and let me tell you there's nothing I want to face in week one of next year more than a team that's not particularly interested in running the ball. <laughs> Sign me up. Something well, that's going to play to our secondary as opposed to the front seven. I mean, God, please let that be true. Well, and like, I, I'm thinking back to when they, thinking back to when they let go of Solich and uh, hired in the, the guy that like tried to con- try to change them to a pro style. Callahan, right. And the, and the Nebraska fans revolted and like, you know, Whipple comes in and wants to throw more than run. Um, that, that is going to, that's going to turn some heads. Um, and, uh, now that, that like, that's not going to come home to roost week one, especially if they beat Northwestern. And I don't, I certainly don't feel great about that game. Even if, you know, even if Nebraska is identity, identity lists on offense, cause I'm not convinced that, that we won't be in, in the same or, or worse situation yet. But um, like come mid season, if, if, if they're just, if it's just Casey Thompson throwing 40 times a game and an anemic run game, yeah, the backs are, are good, but, but that identity is important, right? If you're not, if like, if you're spending all of spring camp, like, working out your, your complex blocking on the, on the edges to open up, um, you know, not, not run between the tackles, uh, ball, but like, I don't know, option office to the outside or complex passing techniques or like, like what, whatever's going to happen. I'm, I'm again, I'm speaking kind of across the frost experience here in addition to, um, to what Whipple's bringing in, but like they're, they're not going to spend camp pounding the ball or talking about, blowing you know defensive lines off it's going to be a very technical approach to this spread offense and you can't flip that switch after you get hammered by oklahoma and you're going into this this middle this critical middle part of the season if you suddenly realize that that's what's important or what your team is good at you can't just flip that switch 
I th- I, you're totally right. I think too, though, about like, you know, this, this kind of Whipple comfort zone that you're talking about here. Well, he's looking at the film and he's being like, Northwestern's not going to sack us. So he's, I mean, that's what he's thinking. So to your point, he's, he's very well maybe thinking, look, my comfort zone's hucking the ball 40 times and we got a guy who can sit back there and throw the ball 40 times. And I know a lot of you are thinking, well, that doesn't sound great, especially if we can't get to the quarterback. There's going to be a lot of pick your poison next year. Just reality check Northwestern fans. And the Northwestern secondary will be the strength of our defense most likely next year. And if there's a team that wants to work against that strength for an entire game, especially at the beginning of the season where they're still working a lot of kinks out, like, I'm taking that. Like, I want that. That's a situation where maybe you get, you know, some Cam Mitchell pick six or something like that, and we've got ourselves a ball game, you know? So it's, those are... That is a scenario that that I'd be a big fan of, and I think that there's a real possibility of. So something that I've been thinking about, and you know, with all of this change that Nebraska has on offense, uh, you know, new coordinator, new quarterback, like there's no tape to study on the on this team, and like we're going to be coming into a situation where we don't really. I mean, we have ideas of what we're going to face, but it's not like we can go look at last year's tape. Not that we have any copies of last year's tape against us. Cause I'm sure all of those were burned, but um, you know, we can't go back and look at historical performance. So I, I wonder if, you know, kind of thinking back to like the 95 season, not that I'm thinking that this is the same as the Rose bowl season, but they went into Notre Dame just saying, we're not worried about them. We just got to deal. We got to worry about us. And like, you got to think that's how Fitz is going to be preparing for this team because not knowing what exactly we're going to be doing, we just need to come out there and play our game and hope that their confusion and hope that their um, their gelling hasn't come together yet, right? Right. I mean, it's a it's. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. It's a big test for our offensive line right off the bat too. I'm an offensive line that. Um, is a lot more experienced at this time than they were last year. Um, an offensive line that I think is really going to have a lot to prove and an offensive line that I think it's, it's very much going to be going at a team that has, again, great linebackers, but a team that can be pushed at the point of attack and just being willing to kind of attack, attack that team and go at it. And then, you know, it's like you need the best version of Ryan Holinsky and, and, Probably, you know, Malik to have the the kind of game that potentially allows us to break a couple big plays or something like that. I mean, there's no panacea quick fix here, but um, but you're right. I mean, I think, again, you get a game that starts the right way and goes the right way. And don't think that this Nebraska team is not going to start getting in its own head. I mean, this is one of the most snake bit teams, right? Um, snake bit and, you know, poorly coached, frankly, right? That... Um, in close games, things find ways to go wrong with this team. And, and we've, right, Fitz is, I'm sure, saying, look, play our game, go out, play the right way. Um, and if this, this, if this game is close late, we'll be able to win it. All right, so with all that said, um, where do we see Nebraska finishing up this season? I mean, are they going to be three? They're not going to be three and nine again, right? But... No, I mean, I think they'll regress to the mean, but our progress to the mean, I five and seven or six and six, I'm going back and forth between those two. And obviously that's a huge thing for Nebraska because it basically determines whether or not they'd they'd play in a bowl game. Um, I mean, where would you you put, where would you put their floor though? Like, like 
They're I mean, five, like four. Oh, they're they're floor. Yeah, four. Four. I would yeah. Say. I mean, yeah. Worst case scenario, yeah. they they they'll they should win four. I'm I'm I mean, with you. I don't think that happens. I I think it's more likely they're around six and six. But yeah, like four on the low end, and and I mean, I guess I could squint and see eight on the high end if 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 they can get by Minnesota and Purdue. I mean, it's I mean, I I look and I think it's their their swing games are that trip to Ross Aid Stadium against Purdue and probably us. And I know everyone's laughing because of what went down last year. But the bottom line is Northwestern and Nebraska tend to play each other crazy close year to year. Um, and I think we're all fami- very familiar with that. So, um, you know, I would say it's it's probably those two games. I mean, Indiana, we've done them already. Rutgers, Rutgers I mean, I know it's on the road, but I expect just about everyone will have Rutgers, including Nebraska, Indiana. We don't even really know what what's going to be, you know, what that team is going to be. Um, Indiana, but... Nebraska is like the transfer portal bowl. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the, I'll tell you, yeah, those teams are going to play, and the winner is the portal. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, again, and it's and and again, there's so much other stuff here. There is that to all of Nebraska Nation, this is going to feel like they're running out the clock on Frost. Um, I think, and again, you know, step back and appreciate that as a Northwestern basketball fan, what that feels like for that fan base. And I think if there is a situation where things do go south, the second it, it goes south, Nebraska fans are going to be ready to just finally punt and move on. Um, so that's all lingering in the background. And I guess on on the weight of all that, I guess I'll say five and seven. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, like if Scott Frost wasn't the head coach based on everything we've talked about from a personnel standpoint and, and knowing what I know about some of the other situations of the big 10, right? Like I think the ceiling for this team could actually be 10. Like, like, I mean, like you're that confident in Whipple, huh? I'm not that confident in Whipple as much as I'm like Iowa and Wisconsin have warts. Iowa and Nebraska is always a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs game. And, Iowa and Wisconsin have warts on offense. <laughs> uh, fair, but Wisconsin has to come to Nebraska. They are a they are a different team on the road, sure. bar none. Sure. And um, like the the Nebraska Iowa game is always it, it's always that goofy Friday after Nebraska after Thanksgiving rivalry game. Like it like like truly anything goes there, and so. But I I think Frost at minimum is worth minus two on the, on the <laughs> win column because like they're not going to win those games because those are going to be close games and it's not going to go right unless like and like what you said he learns how to get out of his own way like if Frost can actually step back and let the you know let Whipple come in and call Whipple's game. Maybe that maybe that's not the case anymore. But you know, until we see that happening, I'm with you. Like Frost is going to cost his team wins. Yeah. Well, and I think there are there are just too many dominoes that need to fall into place, right? Like Sean talked about the D line losing losing Cam Taylor Brett's gargantuan. Um, you got to have a transfer QB and a patchwork offensive line and a um, bevy of you know brand new receivers all hit like so so like that 10 is it's an absurd pipe dream but like 
I, I, I could see it happen if not for Frost, which is funny to say out loud. What are, what are the odds that uh, Nebraska bowls on the, on the strength of a Cinderella run down the stretch led by interim head coach Mark Whipple? What are, what's the uh, <laughs> some sort of some sort of Cinderella run where acting head coach Mark Mark Whipple gets them into a bowl game? That would be an interesting. I mean, situation. down down the stretch, it's Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. That is a yeah. You know, come on. I, I know, I know. Who's who's the DC? Eric Eric Chenander. Would I mean? Wouldn't he be a more likely just because he's been there for a few years? Also, Eric with a K. Props. Yeah, there um, you go. There you go. But he he's in his fifth season, like. Because because if they make if they make, if, I guess here I'll, I'll I'll say this too if they were to start to make a Cinderella run, like where do you think their identity should be founded? Would it be on the offensive side? You got it. I mean, right? Are you asking me whether or not I want a situation where we have to read fifty all caps the black shirts are back articles? <laughs> Mark Whipple is the choice that I that I would like. <laughs> Fair. All right. Um, so obviously, we will revisit this team uh, as you know at the end of August as you know, we get ready for this uh, game in Ireland. Um, but for now, I think we should go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.